Despite her concentration on her prayer, Ismaine was aware that someone watched her. Surely not another predator. A shiver ran down her spine, and she completed her entreaty, then raised her head to look. It was a knight. A Templar. Ismaine was slightly relieved, for all knew such men to be honorable. The knight stood to one side of the chapel, his gaze fixed upon her, his arms folded across his chest. He made no effort to hide his interest in her. There was something appealing about a man who had no desire to disguise his deeds. Ismaine noted that the others in the chapel were aware of his perusal, and only then understood the space around her on this day. People believed him to be her protector. Was he? His surplus was white, graced with the red cross of the Templar order, and it fell to his knees. He was tall and broad of shoulder, his eyes narrowed with the skepticism Ismaine had seen often on the faces of those who served. The knights in the Holy Land seemed more hardened in comparison to those fighting men she had encountered at home, to the point of appearing emotionless and cold. She was certain they had witnessed much of the weakness of mortal men, and perhaps observing such shortcomings in this holy place pained them. This one's scrutiny was disconcerting, though. His hair was as dark as ebony, and his face was tanned from the sun. His chainmail gleamed, the mark of an attentive squire, and his boots were dark. There were leather gloves tucked into his belt, and both a knife and sword were in scabbards hanging from it. A male coif had fallen back on his neck. He appeared to be ready to ride to war at any moment, and Ismaine wondered how close his destria was. She felt a flush rise over her cheeks at his ready perusal, and wondered if he thought her a thief. The Knights Templar guarded the sacred shrines, after all, and accompanied pilgrims on the treacherous length of road between the ports and Jerusalem itself. She stood, genuflected, then made to return to Radagund, hoping against hope that her prayers had made some difference. There was little else she could do. How she hated the powerlessness of her situation, this new inability to reach into her purse for a coin to make matters better. It was humbling. Ismaine would not surrender, no matter how dire all appeared to be. She was the daughter of a line of aristocrats with valiant hearts. Somehow, she would find a way to make all come aright. Somehow, she would dispel this curse, see Radegund healed, and return home with a scheme for her younger sisters to wed well. The challenges before her were daunting when gathered into a list, but Ismaine had been born with a will of iron. Only now she could see that she would have need of it. Her pride would be her salvation, not her curse. She started when she heard a step beside her, then glanced down to see a silver penny offered on a man's lined palm. She looked up to find the Templar beside her, his gaze watchful and more potent with proximity. His eyes were a startling blue that made her think of twilight skies at home. A lump rose in her throat, for she was not certain she would ever see that holding or those beloved faces again.
You mistake my trade, sir, she said stiffly. She averted her gaze, her heart thumping, and hastened out of the church. He followed her, undeterred, his heavy footfalls audible. He stepped into her path, compelling her to confront him, and offered the coin again. He was taller than she had realized, tall enough that he towered over her. His eyes were yet narrowed, but his expression was not unkind. I give alms in a sacred place, he insisted, his voice a low rumble that was uncommonly pleasing. He offered the coin again, but I would forego the complication of making my offering through the priests. Ismain found she could not look away from this intent night. 